Yeah, it's Friday. Hello. Friday, Friday. Yes. Gotta get down on Friday. (laughs) Gotta get my bowl. Gotta get my cereal. What the hell is that? (sighs) You probably... Don't you remember the song Friday by Rebecca Black that was a few years ago? You know? Maybe. It was my... It was my favorite song, but I don't remember ever really you and me talking about it a lot. Oh, okay. Because she's like a teenage girl, and it was really kind of horrible, a horrible song, but I loved it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In the middle of the song, there was a there was a black guy rapping, and he starts out with, I be Rebecca Black. I don't know. It's just a fun, fun <laughs> song I, that I love. Could you say that again? You cut out a little bit. Which the the I be Rebecca Black or yes or, or I the, be Rebecca oh. Black okay. yeah uh, nice oh uh, so delicious you know I love horrible <laughs> just awful awful pop culture things and that's just so deliciously bad okay well you know I remember there was a song maybe in the seventies and I think there was a movie by the same name it was like Friday Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Oh, you didn't hit the high note, man. It's like, thank God. Thank God it's Friday. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I was going to attempt it, but I was afraid I was going to crack. Right? (laughs) It's a pretty high note. Yeah. Um, It might be black don't crack, but white show does. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Indeed, indeed. uh, Hey, man. Now, for some reason, I don't remember. Maybe we were all on vacation. We must have been if my dad was was there. He worked all the time, it seemed like, when I was a kid. When that movie came out, the four of us, my mom and dad, my sister and me, went and saw it at a theater. What? Thank God it's Friday? And Yes. Wow. And it was just it was just just random and i don't i don't know why you know it must have been the only thing that you know this is back in the day when there weren't multiplex theaters <laughs> right. it just must have been the only thing showing or something i don't know okay and we liked it it's a fun it's a fun movie Wow. Was this in Texas or were y'all still in Iowa at the time? Uh, Oh, that's a good question Hmm. because it had to be like we moved to Texas in 78. So it and that movie probably came out in 79 or 78. Yeah, something like that. Boy, I don't know. Maybe we were in when we first moved here, we lived in Port Lavaca for a couple months. Maybe we were just in Port Lavaca and bored out of our minds and. Hmm. And went to to uh, Corpus Christi as close. You we, we maybe was it? Yeah, don't know. Memories, <laughs> memories, lost memories. Yep. Yeah. Scattered pictures. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, but hey, man, there there's a distinct difference um at the beginning of this podcast as opposed to uh last week's podcast oh yeah we're not all sniffling and snorting and coughing and hacking <laughs> oh, i'm my feeling God. a lot better yeah me too i tell you uh editing the last episode I was going, oh, my God, we sound horrible, like we're about to die. 
<laughs> couple of sickies, huh? Yeah, we were a couple of sickies, but uh, hey, it's all better now. So, well, yeah, yeah. So, I, so that month-long still... illness has finally let go of you? I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm at 100%, but I'm, I'm damn close to 99, so... Yay. That's awesome. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's a good so, change, right? It is. It is. Ah, oh, man. So um I had some drama this week. You did? Are we just diving in or do you want to do the intro? Um well no, I think we can keep this as part of the uh pre-show. Oh, okay. Um, Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's drama and drama related to um uh, Something that I posted on Facebook way back in September. We're in oh, wow. we're, we're in February right now. Do you remember when I um okay, well first off, I think I'll just entitle this little segment You Might Be a Deplorable Revisited. <laughs> okay, so in mid September on Facebook, I posted a little thing uh, that I call uh, "You Might Be a Deplorable" based upon the Jeff Foxworthy thing, uh, you know, bit uh, called "You Might Be a Redneck." Do you remember right. that when I posted that? Yes, way back when. Yeah. Uh, just to uh, remind our listeners, if they, I think I might have mentioned it on a previous episode, but I'm not sure. But anyway, this is what I posted on Facebook. Okay, so. I put, if you believe that violence is an acceptable means of communicating with peaceful protesters, you might be a deplorable. If you think that discrimination by elected officials of people whose lifestyles they disagree is protected by the First Amendment, you might be a deplorable. If you don't see the irony of flying the Confederate battle flag alongside the American flag, you might be a deplorable. (laughs) If you think the book of Leviticus is a more relevant document in the modern world than the Constitution of the United States, you might be a deplorable. If you think the President of the United States is a stealth Kenyan Islamo-terrorist Manchurian candidate, you might be a deplorable. (laughs) If you vehemently cheer for the summary execution of a political candidate that you happen to dislike, you might be a deplorable. So anyway, that's what I posted on Facebook, right? I, right, I, I remember that. Right, I would think that um, nobody would uh, pride themselves on holding any of those views uh, that would make them a deplorable. But uh, anyway, I had some pushback right after I posted that. Let's put it this way. The vast majority of people who reacted to that post liked it or loved it or whatever or commented, you know, funny or hello, that's great. Um, Except for one person, this one woman who happens to be somebody that uh, went to the same high school that I went to, um, pushed back and said, I can't believe you said that. You're, You're insulting some of your relatives and friends. And I'm like, what? Uh, first off, <laughs> it's I put in there, you might be a deplorable if you exhibit these traits. And I can't imagine anybody who would pride themselves on exhibiting any of those traits. And so we went back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> oh, and I was like, we were just, so naive back then. And I was trying to be, <laughs> I was trying to be kind and very diplomatic in this interaction. And it seemed the more diplomatic I became, the more angry she became. And then at some point in time, even accused me of calling her a deplorable. So, 
So ultimately, and I think you you were following along the conversation at some point. You made a comment. Uh, you know, if she doesn't get it, she probably is a deplorable. <laughs> so <laughs> shortly after that, I think she posted one more thing where she was just furious and then ultimately ended up deleting the whole conversation that I had with her, which I was sad of because I, I thought it was a very good conversation and I wanted to save it. And uh, I think you had commented something like you thought that I was extremely diplomatic and and probably more than she deserved. And, uh, you know, I agreed with. Oh, you, I'm obviously. sure I said something rude. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. So anyway, but anyway, that that all blew over and no big deal. And I, I just put it out of my mind. And so um, um, earlier this week, um, I was just scanning through Facebook and I saw a post. I think that she had put up, and it had some kind of a uh, inspirational quote, and maybe not inspirational, but maybe just some quote that I agreed with. So I pushed like, and it just went on with my life, right? So apparently, she noticed that I liked her posting, so she took it upon herself to uh, message me and say, "You know, I'm still mad at you for calling me a deplorable." And I'm like, I, don't know, I was thinking to myself, "What, really?" Um, so anyway, um, here, I'll give you the exact, I'll give you the exact damn quote. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, this is what she said. She said, I did take it personally when you called me a deplorable Mark Browner. Has the sky fallen yet? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Sky fallen? What the hell is she talking about? I don't know. So anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, if you haven't, if you have, if you don't think the sky has fallen, then you're not paying attention. Because the sky has fucking fallen. Yeah, I I have no idea what the hell she's talking about. Uh, She somehow was trying to equate me with Chicken Little, saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. I guess so. I don't know. So anyway, I was like, so so yeah, so I messaged her back and I said, I used her name and I'm not going to use her name now because I'd like to keep some anonymity. And I said, broke down and said, I had to, I have to explain this to her. I said, have you ever heard of Jeff Foxworthy and his comedy routine? You might be a redneck. My, you might be a deplorable post was a version of that. It was a general post on my Facebook timeline. It wasn't directed at you. You aren't a racist or a homophobe as far as I know. So why you took a comedy post personally, I'll never know. Your brother said that you had other problems going on that day and decided to inexplicably take it out on me. I'm not a psychologist, so I won't speculate. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said, let it go. That was months ago. And it was. It was like four and a half months ago. Come on. Before the election, even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before the election, obviously. Yeah. So, so then she sends back, it wasn't a comedic post on Facebook, and you know it. And I never took anything out on you or even had an unkind word to say to you. I have no idea what my brother has told you, but your assumption that I am in need of some help is also wrong. I was like, so I was thinking to myself, what did I, did I say that she needed help? I said, I'm not a psychologist, so I won't speculate. All right. So <laughs> anyway, so I just left it at that. I dropped it. So, um, but anyway, because the first time around, she actually called my friend who happens to be her brother, an old high school buddy of mine who, you know, went hiking with me. So 
connect the dots there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the first time around, you know, four and a half months ago, she actually called him and complained to him about the exchange that she and I had over Facebook. And then he ended up calling me just because he was completely confused and had no idea what was going on. So I explained to him and even sent him the uh, uh, the original post that I had put on Facebook. And he was like, I don't know why she's doing this. Uh, it's like, you know, she she's normal in real life. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I just let it go. So anyway, this time around... I knew she was going to call him again, so I took a preemptive strike and I texted the entire new exchange to him beforehand and just let him know that, hey, she's probably going to be calling you again, so <laughs> heads up, brother. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And um, so lo and behold, she did, and <laughs> so he already knew. You know, something was was happening, and he was like, and then he called me back later that day, and he said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she's perfectly normal in real life, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe she's just one of those people who, when they go online, they just become completely different people, like, you know. They just becomes a instant troll. She's a closet deplorable. (laughs) I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, it's like I have no ill will toward uh, this person at all. It's just you know I you know I call bullshit when I see bullshit in this case, and I was like, right. I, you know, wh- what can you do? I mean, I try to be nice to people, but some people you just it just doesn't work. It just backfires on oh, you, unfortunately. Mark Browner, your your Facebook problems are pale in comparison to mine. <laughs> well, probably. I'm just. I, I just I, had uh, to. I just had to let you know that that this you know uh, this stupid thing, this ridiculous grudge, this person is holding against me. I you know I don't get it. I don't get it. So I I don't know. Um, so, um, uh, it's funny you, it's really funny you bring this up. Have you noticed that I haven't posted anything on Facebook for a little while? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think you haven't, um, at least nothing. No, I guess you haven't. Why? What's up? I'm in the middle of a seven day ban on Facebook. (laughs) What? Really? Yeah. Even, even my sister who, um, who, you know, we talk, but we don't, we're, I, me and my sister don't have a relationship where we call each other all the time or talk or, or text each other or talk a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. We, it's just not something we're in the habit of doing. You know, occasionally at times, different things we will. Um, but she sent me a, a, a text yesterday and said, because I always tell people, if you don't see me on Facebook for a few days, have them come to my apartment and check and see where the body is. <laughs> um, so, so she texted me, you haven't posted on Facebook for a few days. Are you OK? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, I'm in the middle of a seven day ban because I told we say we always say we're not going to get political on this show. But I told uh, I call them Trump tards. I call Trump fans Trump tards. Well, you know, they're, uh, and, they're calling us libtards, so, you know. Exactly. That's where it came from. And so uh, so I told a Trump tard on, online, and I don't even remember what, what the post was about, what they said. Don't have the foggiest recollection. But oh. I told him to go kill himself. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. 
And that's <laughs> against Facebook policy. Imagine that. You can punch a Nazi in the face and take a video of it and show it on Facebook a million times. But if, I, I, actually, I actually said, please kill yourself. I asked this Trump tard nicely to kill himself. Yeah. And I got banned for seven days for that. Well, I mean... It... <laughs> Un- that, I was polite about it. That's that seems kind of silly. I mean, it's not like you have some amazing hypnotic power to make someone kill themselves. So I, right. I'm not sure I understand. It wasn't like you, uh, you know, said that I, you know, well, said I'm going to kill you. I mean, you. right? So. I I get it. It's it's a it's a it's a rule to protect, especially someone like a teenager who's getting bullied online, where there have been Facebook incidents where you know young teenagers have told other teenagers that they should kill themselves and apparently uh, uh, these other teenagers took it to heart and actually did oh, i get that it's like oh you don't I, want I'll trump <laughs> right you don't want those trump tards online getting on gay teenagers facebook pages and telling them to kill themselves right i get that sure but you know i um but I did send Facebook a message and said, uh, you know, you can post a video of, a, uh, of someone punching a Nazi in the face, but to politely ask someone to go kill themselves is against your rules. Um, <laughs> Apparently. So, huh? uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to decide right now because the ban will be over in a couple of days. And I'm trying to decide, do I just get on Facebook and go go hit up as many Trump tards as I can find and tell them to kill themselves? Um <laughs> before they ban me again or wow. do i or or do i take it easy and try and be the kinder gentler lodge uh, that's a good question um who are these who are these trump tards and and how have you been engaging them have you just they've been responding to a post that you've made or you're responding to a post that they've made or what actually i there are several Facebook groups that I follow that are liberal oriented, you know, right. um, you and and of course, the tards get on there and and uh, troll post their bullshit on there in response. Yeah. In re- to it, just engage them on there. Um, uh, actually, I did it on Twitter, too, and I got banned from Twitter and Twitter wants you to put in to activate your account. And I'm like, nope, not going to be on Twitter now. Wow. Um, but, it, you know, it's. Yeah, hmm. it, it's uh, there's just so many of them out there. They they they're out and they came out of the woodwork like cockroaches a, after the election. And all um, oh, right, and I'm not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna be nice to them. I'm gonna no. tell them what I think that they should because we're we're headed for a civil civil war anyway. So people are gonna die anyway. Well, it's oh uh, we got political. Oh, we did for a minute there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope your prediction is not correct, um, but uh, there are, you know, I think it's impossible that um, uh, there's not going to be violence. That's about as well, far are, as I will and go. And there already has been. Well, yeah, there already true. has been. And th- and there will be more. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. I, yeah, I have really mixed feelings because, as you know, after the election, I'm like, I don't care anymore. Um, uh, 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 to me, America's done anyway. Mm. And so, yes, uh, I know you, civil you, you war, said that on, on many occasions. Yes. Yeah. Civil war or, you know, part of me would just like to see Trump and his idiots just burn the motherfucker to the ground. Just just do the worst, do the worst that you can do, because because 
when you're done, we can rise from the ashes and start over. That's well, the only real answer as far as I'm concerned. There's no salvaging what's going on. Well, it's, go, it's going to. He's already started uh, in, in very short order and uh, tearing things down. So uh, mm -hmm. and, and making. Uh, as many enemies as possible, even of our uh, allies. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's kind of like a junkie, you know, or an alcoholic. You just want to see him just fucking hit rock bottom so we can start over. Right. And and that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about America right now. It's like it's, you know, obviously I always loved America. I thought America was a great country. I've believed in America my whole life. Obviously, a country that can elect this guy deserves to be burnt to the ground and start over there's no other answer yeah i know it's just the downside is we're all being going to be dragged down with it and uh yeah i don't uh, like the prospect of that um yeah it's so, not pleasant hmm, no not at all <laughs> um so yeah I, I i don't know i i don't i really don't know i i i don't know if i've felt <laughs> more unsure of you know the future than i have uh at this point in time it's really crazy so yeah I, yeah I, I i agree yeah um well i think i think this is the uh a good point for our um disclaimer which is yeah we know the world is shit but we're gonna do this show anyway <laughs> we are indeed <laughs> hell yeah Hey, we're going to we talk about fun things now, pop yes. culture stuff and fun stuff, you know. Hell yeah, we're going to uh we're going to have a we're going to have a good time until the whole thing just blows up. <laughs> until I think it's Jim Morrison said, until they burn the shit house down. There we go. <laughs> the the prophet, the prophet Jim Morrison. Yep, yeah, yeah. the prophet Jim Morrison. Right. It's funny, you know, um, I loved, I, I mean, you know, some people love Jim Morrison. I mean, especially when we were kids, you know, he was, people just loved Jim Morrison. Um, yes. In the same way that they loved Leonard Skinner and Led Zeppelin, the doors and Jim Morrison were, were considered gods. And uh, it wasn't until I was a little older and, and someone, I don't even remember where, said, you know, Jim Morrison's poetry is kind of like the poetry that would get you a C- minus in a high school poetry class. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it kind of is because oh, it is wow. so pretentious. So yeah. pretentious, but I still I just love it. I that you know the the album of him reading his poetry, an American Prayer, where the Doors wrote music and then they put him reading his poetry over it. Yeah, I could listen to that all day. Yeah. I he just he's it was right. just cool seventies. Yeah, pretentious I mean, poetry. Sure. Well, he was the he was the right voice at the right time. So, you know, yes, definitely. We, it yeah. may, maybe it doesn't hold up uh, over time 100 percent. But, uh, you know, for its time, it was unique. Yeah. Well, you know, I, and I, I've said this before, but I, in order to be a poet, you'd have to be pretentious anyway. You would have to believe that people want to hear your poetry. There's right. There's the pretension that what I'm saying is important mm -hmm. and people will respond to it. Right. Otherwise, it you know, no poet sits there and goes, boy, nobody's going to read this. I'm going <laughs> to slave over it forever. Nobody's ever going to re relate to this. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure there, so, I mean, there po are poets like that, but you never hear from them because they never get published. 
Right. Well, maybe. But, uh, you know, it, worst case scenario, they're thinking when they find my body, they'll find all my poetry. And after I'm dead, I'll be huge. People will relate to this so, so much. It has to be said. Anyway, well, all art is all art is pretentious. All art and and is is made under the pretension that people will respond to it and care about it. Movies, music, poetry, novels, sure. magazines. All that is 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 made under the pre- pretense that people will want to see it, read it, hear it, whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all art is therefore all art is pretentious. Okay, I'll and buy the that. Best art is the most pretentious. I think. <laughs> <sighs> so, shall we um, get this um, puppy started? Yeah, let's 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 give it a bang. All right. I don't know what that means. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> let's give yeah. it a bang. Let's give it a bang. It's like, you're, it's like you're looking at a prostitute on the side of the street. Let's <laughs> give it a bang. <laughs> sure. I've got 20. You got 20. Let's give it a bang. <laughs> right. I don't know where that came from. Why did it hurt? Doctor, doctor, it burns when I pee. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, that's what it could hurt. That's true. <laughs> that's what it could hurt. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> wow. I think it's your turn to start, is it not? I believe it is. I, I think I got some stuff uh, that I can recycle here. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to come up with some new... Um, intro stuff but you know hey a lot of these names deserve repeating so why not do it right it's like uh just the other day i was at at uh i think i was driving home from work and all of the, suddenly a couple things came into my mind i was like oh we can put those places or those things in the intro and of course i don't remember any of them now uh okay all right well let me get this puppy going in here okay all right here we go in three two one Keeping podcasts weird from the live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas, the city that brought you Toby Hooper, Bob Schieffer, Club Foot, Guy Clark Jr., Angus T. Jones, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Clifford Antone, The Carousel Lounge, and the world's largest urban population of Mexican free-tailed bats, it's... A Slippery Slope, the podcast with the dazed and confused Mark Browner and Lodger. Mark Browner! What's up, man? Lodger. Hey, man. How are you? (laughs) Hey, man. I'm Lodger than life. Yes, you are. How are you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm about about, uh, (laughs) life-sized. Ah, okay. All right. I understand. I understand completely. <laughs> I've certainly, certainly been there. So, mm, yeah. Hey, so. um, you, you know, I don't know why, but, but all of a sudden, the last few times we've done this show, I'm like, oh, let's start with. I think it's because we lost so many celeb. Well, now I know it's because we lost so many celebrities in 2016. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so I've just, I've just ever uh, for the past few months, I've just kept at the top of my notes for the show the people who've died since the last episode we did oh I think my. it should just become part of just become part of our show the uh, first the first thing on the show is going to be who died i have no problem with that 
because it does spark some interesting conversations sometimes. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, we, we could, you know, relay some memories, things that we liked about uh, their careers, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, right. Do, do you right. have a list for us? Yeah, and I mean this 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 past week, it's not been too. Um, uh, oh, I don't know how to say it. it, it no one, uh, um, no household names, I guess you would say, right? Okay. Um, no well, A-listers. You know, yeah, which is, that sounds kind of fucked up and mean. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Okay. So, yeah, did you say no general household name celebrities? Right, right, right. Like, like one, one, the person probably most well known. Well, I don't know. There's the two that I put. Uh, one is Barbara Hale. She played Della Street on Perry Mason. Oh, we yeah. We all remember Barbara Hale. Indeed. Uh, and she was, she was up there. I think she was 90 or 90 something. Oh. So she's, she had lived a good long life. Sure. She, she and, definitely uh, did. Uh, she outlasted Raymond Burr by a few decades. Yes, she did. Indeed. Um, and you know, who doesn't? You know, who didn't like the the kind of flirtatious banter between her and Raymond Burr? Oh, my. Yes. You always you always was, wanted them to, uh, you know, to kiss, but they never did. Because Raymond Burr was a homosexual in real life. But that's a whole nother story. But um, well, was, we, was was Perry Mason a homosexual, though? Well, he may have been, you know, oh, that's an interesting. I wonder. I'm sure you someone never, has written something mm-hmm. about that somewhere online. Sure. <laughs> Fan fiction can be very creative. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah, probably. Um, wow. Wouldn't that be crazy? Is there some Perry Mason fan fiction out there? Oh, my God. I almost want to Google it. Um, and, I'll, I, and I know better than two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you never know. I mean, you know, if if it's out there for uh, the general public to see and there are fans of of particular shows almost everything has fan fiction attached to it oh i know i know man it's okay. kind of crazy it is um and uh yeah you know I, I you know who didn't like perry mason i mean back in the day there are some shows that you had to watch because there was there was only three channels true and it would be you know it would be some two crappy things in perry mason well you're gonna watch perry mason sure and 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 they were clever you know they were often very clever shows so true i think yeah i mean i think the older you get the more you uh appreciate reruns of perry mason when you're a kid you're like definitely man right right yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know why i mean it was serious. It was a serious show, I guess. So, mm-hmm. but I always like to be, you know, I, maybe it's me too. I, I have always kind of been fascinated with law shows. I like law procedural courtroom procedural shows yes. and movies. I've always kind of liked. Okay. Yes. And there's, there's and, been a lot to choose from over the years as well. And yeah. And I think Perry Mason would be one of the more, one of the better ones. True. You, know, you, I mean, you can't go wrong with a Perry Mason. Right. He was always something clever. He was very, he was very much a, a like a Sherlock Holmes as well as a lawyer, of a- course. Absolutely. And I, I, and I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't it based upon a series of books by a uh, I believe semi-famous so. author whose name escapes me right now? Me too. Was it? It wasn't. 
I wonder who wrote the Perry Mason books. I do believe uh, it was, yeah. Hey, if anybody knows out there, email us and let us know, or we'll just Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can uh, you can also post it on our Facebook page, although we can't respond because we're banned right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, you're not, but I am. Slippery Slope's not banned. Uh, so. No, but I, you know I can't post on there either while I'm banned. Oh, I it, see. It won't look, it, okay, right. And right. It, it, it's funny because you know this week too I've gotten those things like this past week there was a day that I guess is Friends Day, and and Facebook was like, oh we've we've put together this thing for Friends Day for you if you want to post it, and I'm like, no, I can't post it because you've banned me for seven days, Facebook, you <laughs> stupid fuck. <laughs> drives me. it was just so funny it's like oh are you gonna let me wow. post this even though you banned me no <laughs> and it's great every time you every time you forget and you hit the like button you get this big pop-up that says you're banned really what the fuck oh. are you trying to do are you you're kidding banned me for six days and seven hours more oh my yeah. gosh wow <laughs> Dang. Of course, it's very polite. Yeah. Perhaps you've forgotten that you're banned and you cannot post it this time. You yeah. will be able to post it. Okay. Yeah, you would think that anyway, that would be uh, the, 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 the right way to do it. I mean, gosh, they don't have to make you feel like shit. <laughs> yeah, it's very – it's it's not that it's not that bad. Okay. So uh, another person we lost of, of uh, a relative import this week was uh, John Wetton, who was the founding member of the band Asia. And also played in King Crimson. Oh, okay. Well, that is significant. I mean, King Crimson was I, uh, the 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 original uh, prog rock band, you know. Indeed, yeah. Founded by Robert Fripp, um, and um, John Wetton played on two or three albums in the mid '70s, including one of the most weird album titles of all time, in my opinion. Uh, this this t album title has kind of fascinated me since I heard about it when I was a teenager. Okay. Uh, Lark's Tongue in Aspic. Oh. Have you ever heard of that King yes. Crimson album? I have heard of it. I don't know that I've ever heard the whole album. I, I, don't, I don't even know what songs are on there, but... Yeah. I, I couldn't say what songs. I mean, I guess the most obvious one that... Um, album that i remember is the one with the face on it that has the mouth open and you can see down it's down the uh, the cartoon character's throat i don't know what that one's yeah, called. yeah that's um that's the first album and it's called in the court of the crimson king right uh which which also has the song in the court of the crimson oh my god king. wow if remember that, that one if, yes i mean if that isn't the most the most <laughs> prog rock of all prog rock songs. I don't know what is, and it's like you are know, you are correct. It's like ten minutes long, if not longer. It, is, I it might believe. be it might be fourteen minutes long, but uh, it might be. And I think it has two or three movements. There's like uh, <laughs> definitely. There's like, but right. Um, and, and then Asia, of course. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, and just when you thought in the court of the Crimson King is over. There, there's another three-minute section after, after like uh, thirty seconds of silence. It's crazy, but uh, anyway. right, right, right. Go ahead. Let's go um, on to Asia. Yeah, they I, were popular in I the eighties. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if there's a song that's like "Lark's Tongue in Aspic," but there <laughs> maybe there is. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't, um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm. I'm going to have to seek that album out and uh, listen to I it. I think me too. Yeah. Um, and then Asia. Yeah, man. 
you know, Asia gets a bad rap now. And right. I thought Asia was, you know, they were at least interesting at a time when a lot of bands, because they came out in uh, around the time that um, MTV started. Yes. And, and there were so many bad rock bands at that time. And I guess Asia is kind of overblown and pretentious, but there are two hit songs. Um, let's see. I don't even remember. Only Time Will Tell is one. And what's the other one? Uh, Soul Survivor. Oh, I don't even know that song. Okay. Only Time Will Tell. And the song is over. I don't remember what the I don't remember what the big hit for them was. I don't know. I'm trying to uh, play. Oh, my God. It's I'm trying to play. I'm trying to play the Soul Survivor song. And only time will tell. Obviously, or... that's the most famous one for sure. Okay, Google, what were Asia's hit songs? Not Oasis. Songs by Oasis. Not Oasis. <laughs> okay, Google, what were Asia's hit songs? Songs by EGIS include. Luhan oh my God! It doesn't understand it. What is that song? Who's that by? That's Asia, Soul Survivor. Gosh, too long of an intro. I'm going to fast forward here. Really? Is there only one hit song by them? I don't know. Only time will tell. It's funny because if you try and Google Asia, you're going to get the continent, not the band. Listen to this. You remember that one? Not at all. Oh, really? Okay, maybe you never heard it. So Heat of the Survivor. Moment. Oh, Heat of the Moment. Heat oh. of the Moment. That's their song? Okay, well, there you go. Oh, yeah, Heat of the Moment and Only Time Will Tell. Those were the first two songs off the first album that were big hits. Okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, Soul, Soul Survivor, I don't recall ever hearing before. But Oh, okay. I remember hearing but, it, though. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't their biggest hit. Yeah. You know, there was a time in the mid-80s where I was smoking a lot of pot and was kind of out. Like, I, I, I didn't listen to new music. I don't know what I was doing. I was working in radio. I must have been working for a classic rock station or something okay. because I wasn't listening to a lot of new music. I didn't go see a lot of movies because I was spending all my money on marijuana. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> a man's so got a man's got to have priorities, so you know. All right, that was I missed a lot of the mid eighties. Yep, mm. yep, I missed a lot of the mid eighties. So okay. Um. Anyway, so John Wetton, R.I.P. And then uh, I just wanted mm. to also add uh, this week uh, we also uh, realized that Frederick Douglass is still dead. Oh yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, oh, I cannot believe how easily and often uh, one who shall not be named puts his foot in his mouth. It's ridiculous. Just yeah. ridiculous. I was like, oh, my God, this is so it's almost like an absurdist play or something, you know, um, it's like, oh, yeah, the emperor has no brain. Right. Um, I, I wish it were only a play, you know, but it's it's reality. Know, right? it's, it's our reality. It so, oh, shit. It's, 
Yep. Uh, but we're we're gonna stay away from politics. <laughs> yeah. Let's move. Let's move. On. Well, you know what? I was gonna say. Let's move on to the fun thing we did this weekend. But there's a little bit of politics in that fucking story too. Oh. Okay. Oh. Well. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's jump into it then. We because um, we uh, yeah we saw the Andy Warhol exhibit at the um, at the at the Blanton. Blanton Museum. Yes. And like everything else that we do. This this show will come out a week from now, and it will have been gone from the Blanton even longer. Than <laughs> <laughs> well, we went that's pretty true. much we went pretty much on the second to the last day, I guess, uh, to see the yes to see the Warhol exhibit. They had an exhibit. I wasn't sure, you know. Uh, we went. Um, Mark's wife Sierra came with us, and our friend Trish the Dish came with us. Right, and we had made we had made plans like in in mid-December or early December to go, right. and the only Saturday we were all available was was the last Saturday that the Warhol exhibit was there. Correct. And I, uh, I hadn't, you know, I like to go do things and not know anything about it. All I knew was that it was a Warhol exhibit, and it mm-hmm. had something to do with the books he had written, right. um, which Andy, Andy had several books published before and after uh, his his death and um, he wrote some although really he had ghostwriters within his organization um, and 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 people I think I was telling you you know the the Warhol Diaries yes. started when uh, uh, Andy did a a poster that was uh, against um, McGovern and it was a picture of Nixon with using his his covers. His colors, you know how Warhol always did like portraits that had colors on them. Yes. Well, he did a picture of Ni- he did a picture of Nixon, but it had really um, kind of uh, ugly colors on it, almost like vomit colors. Oh. <laughs> like ugly okay. green and ugly yellow. Hmm. And then underneath it, it said it said vote McGovern. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Okay. And, and so Andy always said that after he did that, he got audited every year, which is probably <laughs> true. Right, and uh, uh, I could see uh, and, petty petty Nixon uh, making that happen. Absolutely, I'm sure he was on the enemies list. Um, right. So when that started happening, he realized he didn't. He wasn't very good at saving receipts and those kinds of things. So he started calling one of the people who worked at the uh, uh, at the factory. Her name was Pat Hackett. Yeah, he started calling her every day to say, you know, yesterday we did this and, you know, and going over the receipts for the day so she could keep track of it for their for their uh, accounting. Right. And as that progressed, he started telling her more about his day. And of course, she was uh, the one of the reasons he called Pat Hackett was she was one of the best typist there so i believe she typed up what he was talking about as he talked about it and he eventually Hmm. started telling her about his day and what he had done and who he had seen and andy was a a big gossip and a big you know he loved pop culture too and he Mm -hmm. so that's how the the warhol diaries came about it was her notes from her daily conversations over the phone with andy and the warhol diaries are fascinating if you ever get to read them it's a huge book it um, I think it's close to a thousand pages, but there's hmm. some really interesting stuff in there. So is that a posthumous publication? Yes, it came out, but not too. I mean, it came out. I would say within 
two or three years of his death they put that out oh okay. with the full mm-hmm. with the full backing of the Andy Warhol Foundation this you know there have been right. some books written by people who worked with Andy uh, that that are not very positive and are not very uh, uh-huh. flattering to him uh-huh. and um, there's there's a you know everyone who knew Andy pretty much wrote a book I think <laughs> well why not <laughs> cash in but on that the, was, cash in on the old man. Oh yeah, I would too, you know. And uh I mean if I'd been hanging out at the factory, you know, I'd I'd write a book. Sure. Um, I mean so, you'd have some amazing stories to tell. Yeah, there are some really I mean, there's a book by a guy, his name is Bob I wanna say it's Bob Co it starts with a C. I wanna say Coachella, but that's obviously not what it is. Huh. But he it's called um, Holy Terror, and he worked at the factory towards the end of Andy's life, and he worked for Interview Magazine. And so he he's he writes some very unflattering things about Andy, but also some mm-hmm. you know you know he was also friends with him. I mean, he writes okay. He, it's a biography kind of, and um and it's a fascinating book. You know, even though at times he says very unflattering things, um, right. it, the stories in it are really interesting. I got okay. I, I got into a, a big Andy Warhol kick in the 90s where I was just fascinated by him, and I read every book I could find about him. I started with the diaries, oh, and mm-hmm. I, um, uh, you know, tried to find out – and this is back before, like, you know, before YouTube, before the Internet was really what it is now – where you you know now you can see some of Andy's films on YouTube, some of his early shorts. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that you can access now that you could not. Oh, nice. Back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Right. So so I, you know I would go to uh, video stores and and rent f- films if I could his films if I could find them and some were on video and some of them were were uh, bootlegs and different things. So I was really right. interested in him for life. He's still. Someone that fascinates me. I don't know. Wh- I'm sorry. I'm rambling again. But oh, that's I don't fine. Know why. <laughs> Go ahead. But the uh, but the um, the soup cans from the time I was a kid. I mean, the soup cans came out in '67. I'm you know I'm a kid, a little kid at that point. But mm-hmm. like you know, the soup cans became infamous, and in the '70s. You know, there it was almost a joke. This guy just put up pictures of the soup cans, and now he's an artist, and ha ha ha. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you if you study Warhol's life, you and find out that he was a, a commercial designer and and artist before that, and right. you know all these different things. The soup cans are just a, a blip on what he did. Right. But the soup cans fascinated me as a teenager especially i Mm. just thought they were so cool they looked cool such an interesting concept of a thing to do and become famous for that story just is just one of those things that probably you know you know i'm a punk rock teenager right i loved that story i loved and and i there's what you like sleek design mm-hmm. you ahead. like you like the whole concept of taking so, something mundane and elevating it to an art form absolutely because i think it also helped me realize that art is everywhere mm-hmm. when you can see the art of the soup cans you can see the art of you know graffiti you can see the art of the sky and trees you know you can see Mm. the art in everything Mm -hmm. if you can see the art in the soup cans because that's that's what he did you know he took something bland and mundane and made it uh, infamous true true uh but what what was interesting (laughs) about us going to see the exhibit at the blanton was that you know it, it allowed me to see 
beyond just the uh, you know the pop culture art that everyone is familiar with. Um, you know, it it gave you a good cross section of his art throughout his artistic career, which I thought was you know fascinating. Gives you gave me a better uh-huh. you know overview of you know his life and his career, and you know. And, right and not right. I mean, not not making a caricature out of him. Actually, you know, seeing seeing more of the whole man, maybe. Well, that's true too, because you know he he, he had a whole career as a commercial artist before the soup cans, mm-hmm. and a whole career as a pop artist after, and yeah. a filmmaker, and all these. You know, he put his hand in everything, which is another thing I think is cool about him. Right. Uh, you know, with the, with the Velvet Underground, he did music, he did mm-hmm. uh, happenings, he did films. He right. just kind of touched a lot of different things. And some people don't think he's a real artist, but if you look at the work he did before soup cans, the he drew shoes for for commercial art. He drew, you right. know, he's he's a talented artist, you know. Oh, yeah. And they had a lot of his early work there, mm-hmm. which definitely gives you a, a great appreciation for the fact that he really was an artist and not just a pop artist, you know, someone who took pictures and and turned them into silk screens or whatever. Right. Right. So I I, I like that about it. And uh, in addition to, you know, books that were written by him and or and or written about him uh, on display there, there were also, I believe, a a display that had books that he had owned throughout his life, if I'm not mistaken. Do you remember that? There were. Which, yeah, which gives you even more insight into things that influenced him from an early age. And it maybe right, gives you a absolutely. better picture of how he got from point A to point B to point C and D and Z. Um, so it was it, yeah, it was a great insight. His, his, his story is fascinating. You know, when he was a kid, he had St. Vitus dance. Have you ever heard of that? It's a condition. No. And I... I don't even I don't remember. I believe it's a nervous condition, but I don't remember exactly what it is. But Hmm. when he was a young child, he had St. Vitus dance and he had to be in bed for, I think, a year, maybe more when he was probably nine, 10, 11, around that age. And his mom would bring him magazines. Uh And so that that's kind of started his fascination with with visual imagery oh. and then he he started drawing the things he saw in the magazines and mm-hmm. and so forth so and then he went to you know he went to art school and and uh had some i do believe he did a painting in art school and this is like late 50s maybe late 40s actually early 50s okay. that was a painting of someone picking their nose and i think it was called man picking his nose that <laughs> was that was that was entered in the art school's yearly um, competition for young artists and caused an uproar. And just oh, really? his hmm. story is fascinating, <laughs> man. Wow. I really, you know, I, it'd be great if somebody did a real biopic on Warhol because right. they like to concentrate on the post-fame years or the fame years. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's there's so much more to his story that's so interesting. So Obviously, yeah. So we, so. when we decided to go on the twenty eighth of January, the last, the day before the last day it was there. Yes. Um, w- we we didn't realize how crowded it would be. It was freaking crowded there. 
Right. We we were under the false impression that because we were going toward the end of the uh, run of this uh, exhibition, that uh, everyone who wanted to see it had already seen it. And so it'd be no problem. It'd be practically <laughs> empty when we got there, right? Right. No. Easy peasy. Everybody in the world decided that they were going to go on the last weekend because they were like, oh, this is the last weekend. We must go. And so, yeah, we had we had a long wait in line to... Uh, to get in to see it. Giving the Blanton credit where credit is due, that line moved quickly. We thought we would be in line for probably an hour to get in. Right. I think we were in line about 20, 25 minutes. It, that line moved quickly. They they were, although they only had one girl working up there, bless her heart, but yeah. um, the line moved quickly and, and in a way it kind of funneled people through so everyone wasn't just trying to get through at once so even mm-hmm. though it was crowded when we were were looking at the exhibit it wasn't uh so crowded that it was just uncomfortable right um, on the same day that we had planned this excursion apparently yeah. someone somewhere had planned the um the the right to life march or whatever the right to lifers were downtown marching yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I remember you mentioned that to me, and I, I had no idea that that was going on the same weekend. Yeah, Trish had mentioned that to me because Trish works downtown, so she's kind of, I think, has to keep up with what's going on down there because it affects traffic and her getting to work. Yes. Um, but she had mentioned it to me that it was going on, and and I was like, well, the Blanton's up by the campus. They were going to be down by the Capitol. I didn't think they would bother us but as we were parking and 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 um walking to the blanton we saw several um uh, just drives me nuts i'm gonna try not to be too cruel okay Uh, we saw several (laughs) of these right to lifers walking with signs oh and um you know the like walking back to their car Mm -hmm. and um and i got the distinct impression that some of them were at the blanton and uh, we're like, oh, we're downtown. Let's go to a museum. Let's go see some art. And so uh, there they are, those the right to lifers with their kids going into an Andy Warhol <laughs> exhibit uh, where there are pictures of where there are pictures of cocks that Andy drew. <laughs> that's right. H- highly stylized <laughs> uh, pictures of cocks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just love that people walking around with their kids and oh, there's a drawing, there's a nude, there's a clo- it's which is basically just a cock with a seashell on it or whatever. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, oh, let's take the kids down to the Blanton and see some cocks, you know, <laughs> and then let's have more kids because we're right to lifers. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, you know, I was telling you when we were walking, I I realized, you know. When you have kids, you know, we all know that when you have kids, you give up your life. Your life is about those kids. Yes. And that's a choice you've made for yourself, you know, then that's fine. That's your mm-hmm. business. If you want to have kids and give up your life to have kids, do what makes you happy. Sure. But to call it right to call it right to life is a misnomer because once you have kids, you have no life. So really, <laughs> it's they should call themselves right, right to uh, no lifers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see your point. <laughs> uh, so yeah um oh I, I didn't tell you about the little uh little uh scuffle i got into at the uh blanton did i i guess not <laughs> okay it what really happened? wasn't it really I, wasn't a scuffle <laughs> i made the oh, mistake okay. of uh, uh looking at my phone and not wanting to block traffic i kind of you know backed a little closer to the wall but apparently i got just a little too close to a painting that was hanging on the wall 
and had uh, two or three docents <laughs> rushing toward me all at once. And they're like, <laughs> oh, please don't stand so close to the wall. And I took one step forward and I said, thanks. <laughs> and, oh, and they magic and they magically disappeared but uh you know actually three cheers to the docents that they have working there they are absolutely very efficient and uh, good at their jobs and they actually uh, they're 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 johnny and jane's on the spot for sure well, well, you know those warhols. I mean, anything related to warhol is worth a million dollars. So right, so you know yeah, they're pro- <laughs> they're protecting hundreds of millions of dollars worth of art there. So they've got to be like, uh, sir. <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> they realize they, they were they they were sprinting toward me. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, I actually, actually, I didn't react. I just looked up, took one step forward, and said, "Thank you." <laughs> Uh, right, and I, and I yeah, was thanking them funny. for, you know, you know, at least they didn't tackle me. Yeah. Right. They didn't tackle me. They just said, sir, please right. don't stand so close to the paintings. And I'm like, mm, okay. I okay. get it. I get yeah. it. You're, you're doing a good yeah. job. Here's a nickel. It's <laughs> funny because I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I can't believe that they're, you know, that, that, well, I don't know where I was going with this, but. You know, in this day and age, there's who knows there if they heard something on there. Uh, if someone was watching on cameras and was like, uh, "Get this guy by the paintings, please." Oh, probably. Um, because, I wouldn't doubt it. Because but, security uh, in these things are so tight now that you know, yeah. there's. I'm sure there's eyes in the sky. I was telling Trish when I was. Uh, it must have been at least 20 years ago. It may have even been longer than that. They had a exhibit of Warhol's stuff in um, the Museum of Contemporary Art in uh, in Houston, and hmm. there was mm-hmm. a weird weird corner where they had two of the soup can paintings hanging, and it was kind of around this corner where the docent wouldn't see you unless he was right there, you know, and they had two or three docents. I think they had two docents walking around. Right. And there wasn't, there wasn't one that could, that was in an eyesight of me where they would see me. And I just touched the side of the painting where, where there's no paint or nothing, just very gently put my finger on it for a half a second. Oh. So I can say that I touched a Warhol soup can. Painting, oh, okay. <laughs> which is a terrible thing. And don't do that at home kids. But, <laughs> no, um, don't it, touch. It, yeah. It was just one of those things where, uh, it was too easy. And I was just like, I'll just, just ting. And oh my God, I touched a soup can painting. So oh, you mean no, um, nobody saw you because you were in kind no. of a, a blind spot? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so wow. yeah. So and I was I was very purposefully gentle and and you know I didn't put my hand on the front of the painting. I took my index finger and tinged the side of the painting for half a second. Yes. Um. You know. Uh, but it. You know. Yeah. You know, I, I once massaged Monet at the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> I lubed all over that fucker. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm. Oh man. No, I'm sure that uh, yeah, the the Foreign Legion would have tackled me had I attempted it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm uh, sure. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, huh. I'd, I'd, the Louvre is on my list, man. One day I'll get there. Yes. But at the uh, Blanton, you know, the docents were pretty decent. <laughs> they were decent docents at they the were, Blanton? They were indeed. 
<laughs> Indeed, there are decent docents at the Blanton. Oh. Third, All right. Third base. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh. Okay. We, had, we had a good time that day. It's always, you know. It was good. We always have a good time when we hang out. And right. then after the Blanton, we had a fantastic meal. We did. Did you think? Yeah, I enjoyed I thought, the hell man, out of it. I'm ready. We went to a place called the East Side Tavern. It's on Cesar Chavez. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sierra had kind of found it online looking. I think I think she was looking at some Yelp reviews or something online. I'm not exactly sure how she yes, found it. Yes, I, I believe that's how she found it. Mm-hmm. But and, we... Uh, uh, good choice. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Seriously... Dude, I'm seriously ready to go back whenever you're ready. I may go back without you because <laughs> it was right. so good. The food was amazing. Um, I'm, you know, you. I ordered some deviled eggs, and I'll admit the devil. They were pickled deviled eggs, and they were good, but they weren't. They were good. Really, any. They weren't anything super special. Mm. I would order them again. But right. you or, then you ordered an, uh, an appetizer of chicken wings, of which I only had one. And mm-hmm. my God, I want a whole order to myself. Oh, absolutely. Those were amazing. They were delicious. Amazing. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because they were, they were smoked uh, before they were then rolled in the uh, uh, buffalo sauce. And that makes and all the, the difference. the buffalo sauce, mm-hmm. well, it does. But they're also their buffalo sauce was not just your typical bar food yeah. sauce. It was it was mm-hmm. extremely tasty and unique and, and just one of those flavors that um, the minute I tasted it, I loved it. And I was like – and, of course, I've been craving it ever since. I want, <laughs> want to order yeah. of my own, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely really go back good. for that. And uh, – yeah, and the drinks were good too. And, and uh, the drinks were amazing. But uh, and the the, um, the main course the barbecue as well. Yeah, we I, for some strange reason, three of us at the table all ordered the same thing. I think we didn't know that we had all ordered the same thing. It just happened that when <laughs> all the plates happened. arrived, it was like, hey, we all ordered the same thing. Sierra was the only person <laughs> who ordered something different, and uh, so. But uh, anyway, it was delicious. Whatever I can't remember what it was called now. It what, was what was that? It sandwich? was like a. Um, it was the brisket it was like a, sandwich. It was like a brisket sandwich, but it was made with Swiss cheese, and it was kind of like a grilled Swiss cheese brisket sandwich. Yeah. And you yeah. know, I'm not. I'm not a big Swiss cheese fan. Oh, Trish got cheddar with hers. That's right. But, she changed cheeses, and it also had grilled onions on it, didn't it? <laughs> I, it did. She changed cheeses. That's the great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just sounded funny to me. I don't know why. Oh, the docents at the the decent docents <laughs> and, 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 and the and the changing cheeses. Changing we cheeses. had a Saturday. Let me tell you. <laughs> indeed, uh, indeed. Uh, hmm. Oh, yes. I tickled myself. Um, <laughs> yes. So, but yeah, yeah. we we was, had some. Uh, they have some cocktails that are house specialties, I guess, or or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um. You know, what do they call those crafted cocktails, or you know, yes. made specifically for that business, that mm-hmm. restaurant. Yeah, they were My, specialty got, drinks. Mm-hmm. Specialty drinks. Yeah, I um, mine were amazing. I got something. I think it was called Southern Hospitality, and it was I don't even remember what the alcohol was, 
but it had iced tea and lemonade and some alcohol in it. It was uh, delicious. Wasn't it like a peach liqueur or peach schnapps or something like that? I feel it was a peach or a peach flavored something. I don't remember mm-hmm. now. I just remember it was amazingly good. <laughs> and right. then uh, and then I also got some corn casserole, which didn't look particularly appetizing, but mm-hmm. was fucking delicious as well. Yeah. And I think you got uh, potato salad. Uh, yeah, actually, the potato salad came with Sierra's order, but she gave it to me because right. she's on a low-carb diet. And um, she- I, I think I had just gotten fries with my sandwich as a side okay i'm not mistaken and i i and i can't remember what trish got as a side but they had lots of they it's funny because their menu isn't huge but yet they did really have some good choices and everything oh yeah that we had was amazing i Mm -hmm. was so impressed with that place you know there's so many new restaurants in austin and i've been to a few where the food's been good but it hasn't been anything special yeah but this place the the east side tavern I'm looking forward to going back. I thought they were really great. Sure, I'd yeah, I'd like to try some of the other items uh, on their menu. But me too. Me but too. I, yeah. But definitely started off with their uh, appetizer, uh, smoked uh, spicy wings. Delicious. A del- uh, delicious and amazing. Yeah, really mm-hmm. good. So mm-hmm. we ju- we just gave them a free advertisement, but it's only because uh, well, that- we-, we liked it. Well, and also the the service I felt was really good. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. They. They are, um, uh, they are, it's a small place. It's, I mean, it's not tiny, but you know, it's probably right. 15 tables maybe. And then they have an outside area as well. Yes. We were afraid that maybe we would have to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went on, we went on a Saturday night and we went a little early, but we were there till, till about six thirty or so. And it never got to the point where people were waiting to sit. Yeah. And um, I think you're right. Um, the the service was really good. The guy who either the manager or the owner came by and asked us, you know, how we were doing, if everything tasted good. I just everything about the place I liked and, oh, until yeah. we all until we left and people br- brought in a kid. I'm like, why would you bring a child to this place? But what are you going to do? You can't stop fucking breeders from doing stupid shit. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's true so yeah but all in all yes uh, a great saturday definitely indeed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay i have a couple of tv show things okay really um three i guess um was there anything else you had you wanted Um, to get into just one little short topic uh, and uh, it's only because it's it's something that's started to interest me for some bizarre reason, or I'm not sure. So, um, have you ever been into video games of any kind throughout your life? Um, Vi- yeah, very rarely. You know, the only video game like the, the kind of the game I like is Tetris, ah, and there's been a uh-huh. couple of of um, which you know is a stupid dumb game, but there's right. been a, there was a. a video game in the 90s probably maybe even the late 80s called dr mario where you where you had to line up pills in a bottle which was very tetris like oh okay. um, because right. you had to, ma- you had to mm-hmm. match the colors and then the pills would go down or whatever okay. um those are the only video games that i've really played a lot um I, you know and okay. it's a couple um, different you know a few things here and there but i've never been a video game person okay well m- me generally not either there was a time in the 90s where there were these um uh 
puzzle games where like you have to you'd walk into a room and you you look in you know uh drawers and um uh you know because you're trying to find keys so that you can open up a uh, you know, a secret door or something like that. You right know, it's, now, it's all like a puzzle are you, type thing that you right. Know, it's always finding something so that you can do something else with it, or find having to find several items and put them together so that they can do something else. You know, to so that you can progress to the next level or something like that. And it's um, so always right. big now, on are that. You, are that you talking mean, about mm-hmm. games? Are you talking about games like that? that have graphics or are you talking about the old school text adventures that no. were like that? Well, I remember those, but now I'm really talking about the ones that had pretty good graphics for, you know, the nineties. Gotcha. Uh, I think there was, there was one and it probably was more popular in the eighties called like, uh, it was like the legend of Zelda or something like that. But then there were other games that had much better graphics, you know, compare, you know, even comparable to, you know the graphics you might see in video games today, but just not fast moving. Um, right. But anyway, but that's not really what I wanted to talk about. Well, I was talking about just recently. <laughs> I got interested in flight simulators, but not just you know ah. regular flight simulators like flying a Cessna or a, a jet. I, I found a, a. It's actually a free flight simulator called Orbiter, which is a space flight simulator where you basically they have a thing called a glider which will take off from the ground but then you can take it and go into uh outer space with it like a space plane and uh it you know it's it's based upon you know actual physics so that you know it's not just a fan you have to actually have to have some real skill and have some knowledge of uh, aeronautics or astronautics or whatever you want to call it. So it's interesting. And I, I just started getting interested in it. I haven't, I don't even have a, a joystick because you require a joystick and not really a joystick, more like something that looks like a, you know, control stick on a, on a sophisticated aircraft. So anyway, what's interesting about it though, is you can, it has different scenarios where you can, you can fly the space shuttle you can fly a hmm. uh, a Russian um, Soyuz spacecraft. I mean, that's the only spacecraft we have now that can take people to the uh, space station. You know, just all all kinds of different spacecraft throughout history, including Apollo, uh, Gemini, Mercury, all of those. You know, ancient spacecrafts from the you know the sixties and seventies. I don't know why I got interested in it. It just I don't know. I, it, I've always wanted to learn to fly, but don't want to uh, put any risk into it. So <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> that might well, be that, it. <laughs> that sounds like the answer then to do it as a simulator. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I, I just wanted to bring that up. And so just because so it's have you been, something interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Have you been not able to do them because you are don't have the proper equipment no, it because just you said it needed something. I mean, have you been able to play at them uh, using your the controlling apparatus you have now? Yes, but I I just ordered a an actual advanced joystick. I mean, they're not really expensive, but but uh, I just wanted hmm. yeah, I just wanted to yeah, I just want, I just got interested in it for no apparent reason. <laughs> it just struck me one day. I probably really? because, pro- it's a, probably because I ran across this free spaceflight simulator program 
online just kind of, you know, you know how you go down a Google wormhole and some sometimes you just end up in, in unusual places. Oh, you go down a slippery slope? Perhaps? Yes, other than <laughs> other than porn. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How did I get to matures who like to shit on dogs? How did I get here? <laughs> it, it doesn't get much slipperier than that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, and I went there and then you went there yeah, with me. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Logical conclusions. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? Hmm. That's interesting because I wondered if you had, you know, uh, been talking to someone who had been doing that or some, you know, a friend or a coworker had been into that and, and you started looking into it, but it's just kind of one of those random, I, I understand that possibly that thing yeah. where just rand, randomly one day something is like, you know, I'm kind of interested in this. And then, you know, I, you know, and you Google it online and next thing you know, you're finding out all kinds of stuff you didn't know. Exactly. About. Yeah. Now, now maybe, Subconsciously, now there there was somebody who I used to work with who just recently uh, was working toward getting a pilot's license. So maybe that was subconsciously working in the back of my head, and and maybe I was thinking, hmm, I wonder how he got into that. And then I was like, oh yeah, I think maybe he was doing like a flight simulator program. So that might have been hmm. something that was subconsciously directed me while I was googling around so. interesting mm-hmm. the uh the sub the subconscious impetus of <laughs> your of your search that's it yeah hmm. hmm so you're waiting now on the a piece of equipment that will help you uh play these simulators right exactly so that's cool. all yeah it should be here like on the eighth or something so we'll, we'll see oh you need amazon prime man well i know <laughs> you know i've if I would have if I would have done it around Christmas time, it would have definitely paid for itself. Yeah, absolutely. That's what some who was it? Oh, was it Trish that told us that? Who was it? I think it was Trish that said she joined Amazon Prime, or it could have been someone else. And I'm it, misremembering. It was, it was Sierra because, actually. Oh, it's Sierra. That's right. Yeah. Well, I then you do have Amazon you. Prime, don't you? Well, I I guess. I mean, we have two separate accounts, but uh, yeah, I guess I could have ordered through her account, but you know, oh well. Oh man, Mm -hmm. I would be. I'm telling you, I love Amazon Prime. I love um, ordering something and then, you know, it used to be before I had Amazon Prime, I would order something and then it would come like 10 days later. And by that point, you'd kind of forgotten you'd ordered it, (laughs) you know? Yeah, well, but but then it's like getting a gift. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is that. But it is really nice, too, to just order something and then it shows up a couple days later. And, you know, I certainly order... I mean, the main thing I order from Amazon is DVDs, so I certainly order DVDs at times, and then they and then they come two days later, and I put them on the pile, and I don't watch them for two weeks anyway, mm. or months mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, yes. I still haven't made it through all the all the DVDs I bought from Criterion oh. three months ago. Right? How many did so, you buy actually? I think I bought nine or ten. Oh, okay, and I well. think I have about four, like. Like a few of them were things I had seen before, like Eraserhead that we talked about on the last episode. That was a right. Criterion thing I got. Sure, um, but you know, you definitely, have, you definitely want to have a copy of that. I mean, that's a, that's definitely a classic yeah. worth having. 
with all the extra, yeah, absolutely. Ex, with all the extra content, you know, as well. That's what's great about yeah, the criterion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because Lynch won't do, you know, Lynch doesn't believe in explaining his work and so he won't do the director's commentaries. Yeah. So for them to find extras to put on a Lynch release mm-hmm. is probably pretty difficult for them because he, right. he's not going to tell you anything about what the movie's about. Mhm. I guess that's why they had so many different uh interviews and things as part of the uh, the extra disc right that came with right. it you know it was, maybe you can was, start piecing some things together on your own you know and maybe that's right it. absolutely certainly and certainly on the interviews he talked a little bit about the making of the, mm-hmm. the actual physical things they did oh. sets, putting sets together and where those sets you know were filming at the uh, American Film Institute where he was living at the time and there's mm-hmm. certainly things that he ta- that he talks about yeah. but he he very definitely won't talk about what what something means right you know he will he will never say oh this thing that happened in my movie meant this oh yeah i'm sure not what we do know about lynch is he's he's fascinated with the dark underbelly of society absolutely even his films like uh um elephant man and straight story which are straightforward narrative films Mm -hmm. uh, they are looking at the unusual you know the right. the diff- the underbelly of of the yeah. the, the things that are hidden mm-hmm. in modern life that right. things that maybe we're aware of but that's that aren't out in in plain view very yeah. interesting outside the mainstream stories right now that's interesting it's interesting because we've brought up two things that i actually relate to things i want to talk about oh um, okay one there you one, go. one is lynch one is lynch and one is amazon prime so um have you ever seen i'm sure i bet you have it's funny have you ever seen lynch's uh dune um yes i have never seen it it's the uh, only lynch thing i have never seen not a big fan I well, and I I think one of the reasons I've never seen it is it's one of the movies, one of the films that he didn't have uh, a lot of control over, and right. and um and it shows. you know he's yeah he spoke negatively about it at times, but it's just one of those. And I remember when I was in a teenager in high school, you know, people who liked science fiction really liked Dune, mm-hmm. and to me it was just kind of like. It was kind of like The Hobbit. It was just like, eh, it sounds completely boring. <laughs> that's to funny. Me. That's that's exactly what I was about to say. Except I was going to say, oh, it's probably yeah, it's like the Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, apparently they they mentioned this week that uh, on online I saw that apparently it's going to be remade. Oh. Uh, so yep, we'll have a remake of the Dune within the next couple of years, apparently. Hmm. And um. I, the director is someone that I'm uh, I'm not familiar with, but and I don't remember his name. But they were saying that apparently it's going to be directed by the person who directed the, uh, a movie that came out within the last few months called Arrival, which okay. is about uh, I think is about um, aliens arriving, but I really don't know exactly what it's about. Okay. But so anyway, I just wanted to mention because you know I would like to try and mention. Something yeah. about Lynch every episode. Mm, okay, well that's that, fine by uh, me. I saw that. Yeah. So I, I, and it, it's also made me go, man. I really need to to see Dune. I've, I've never. It's the only thing by Lynch yeah. I've never never seen. You should see it at least and once, even, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a Lynch fan, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? It, and it 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 uh it came out at that time in the mid '80s that I was talking about where I didn't go see a lot of movies. Oh, so okay. You okay. know, and and it's they don't you know now that we're talking about it, I don't think I've ever seen it on TV. I'm sure they showed it on cable at times, but yes, I don't remember. It's not like something that it's like oh every Saturday, you know. No, if you want to see this movie, eventually it's going to show on TV. I don't right. even remember it's, ever seeing it. It's not the Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not my cousin Vinny. There, it was it was on like multiple channels, uh, at least every week. Seems right. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy. Ugh. Yeah, it's just funny. It's funny that you just don't see, you don't see it on TV or you know, or even get discussed that often. But I do believe it's because mm-hmm. it's. Lynch is Lynch hasn't disowned it or anything, but he's no he's not said he hasn't said very many positive things about the experience. So no, well, I I think it was a genre that just didn't mesh well with his artistic style and right it it, it just didn't work. Um, but, right, I think. Um, but but and I'm if sure. I remember correctly. Uh huh. Go ahead. That's just a, it's just that's a very difficult um set of books to adapt the whole dune right. uh, so i i mean i think it was it was a dicey proposition to begin with for any well, if I remember, for any filmmaker if i remember correctly i think he did it specifically because he made a deal where if he did that they would let him make blue velvet i think it was dino de laurentis oh was the producer and okay. that was part of the that was part of the deal Okay, well then he did the right thing because then he was able to uh, to make uh, a masterpiece after that. Then absolutely, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, um, yeah, I was thinking too. You know, we've been talking about Twin Peaks coming out at Showtime in May, um, and and how Showtime is showing some of the older episodes now. And I want to definitely rewatch all of Twin Peaks before the new Twin Peaks starts. Yes. But um, I also would like to, you know, in rewatching Eraserhead, I realized that it's that fits into the the build up to Twin Peaks. And it's like I part of me would kind of like to watch all the movies he made before Twin Peaks, as well as the Twin Peaks movie Fire Walk with me. Yeah. You know, yes. And uh, as the build up to the new series on Showtime. So mm-hmm. I may be watch I may be watching some of the Lynch stuff over the next few weeks. And reporting back. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you have all of Twin Peaks on DVD? I do. Okay. Well, that's good. I actually have I have them as separate seasons. Um, mm-hmm. I have like a season one DVD. I have the season one DVD. I have the uh, movie they did for the BBC that's the first episode with an ending tacked onto it. Oh, right. I've seen that. Yeah. I have season two, and I have the uh, Fire Walk with movie. Okay, good. So yeah, so I can right. get I can get set up on that. Um, right, definitely. So the other thing we were talking about is Amazon Prime, and it's funny that that came up in our conversation because <laughs> you know I have I have Amazon Prime, and um, uh, I use it to to buy you know DVDs, and is really the main thing I use Amazon for. But Amazon Prime gives you access to a lot of the Amazon made for Amazon films and and TV shows or right. You know right. what I mean? Yes, I do. 
Right. They have and, um, they have their own streaming service. Yeah, like like Hulu or Netflix. Yes. And um, so there are two or three things on Amazon Prime that I've wanted to watch and I've just never gotten around to it. One is uh, Man in the High Castle, which is based on a Philip K. Dick novel, and mm-hmm. it's about what America would be like if the Nazis had won World War Two. Yes, yes. And that that I really want to watch that. I think it's in the second season right now, and uh, mm. I've just never gotten around to it. And wow. then there's another show called Mozart in the Jungle uh, that has Gael Garcia Bernal in it that gets rave reviews online. People just love that show. Again, I think it's in the second or third season, and I s- still haven't started on that. Gael Garcia Bernal? Bernal, uh-huh. Bernal? He was in E2 Mama. Yeah, he was in E2 Mama Tambien. And, oh, okay. And, um, right, right. Yes. Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff. So anyway, it hit me the other day. There was nothing on TV, and I was like, oh, I, I've been wanting to watch this, the Woody Allen Amazon thing. So Woody Allen did an Amazon movie called Crisis in Six Scenes. It's actually oh. it's actually supposed to be a episodic show. It has six segments. Mm-hmm. But it's real. It's really just a glorified movie. Okay. Um, so it's like six. It's one story. It's like six twenty-two, twenty-three minute segments, and um, it's one of those things where it it got pretty bad reviews, and it's not great by any means. But um, oh. hmm. it was a it was a it was a thing where Amazon went to Woody Allen and offered him the opportunity to do it, and then he accepted. And then immediately online, he was talking about how he regretted accepting it. He didn't know what to do. Oh no. Um, all this stuff. And so um, eventually he shot it. But yeah, it's basically a move, a Woody Allen movie mm-hmm. w- w- that's just cut into six segments. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of a stopping point at each segment. It certainly builds up to a moment and then kind of ends on a, on a, uh, on something happening that makes you want to see the next episode, but okay. it's real easy to watch because it's just, it's just six segments and it takes, you know, a couple hours to watch it. It's about two, two hours and 10 minutes overall. Okay. Um, and it's, it, it actually, it's a comedy mm-hmm. and it's kind of an absurdist comedy. I laughed out loud actually a few times. Okay. Um, well, that's, but it's, that's it's, good. He's certainly not, not his best work, but, well. um, like the, and and there were some weird things about it. Like it starts, you know how Woody Allen's credits look, right? They always look exactly the same at the beginning of a movie. Yeah. That black screen with white text on it that's kind of a particular font. Yes. So and it always has some sort of usually has some sort of jazz or classical music underneath it. Well, this one starts with those same title cards that every Woody Allen movie starts with, mm-hmm. but the music underneath it is Jefferson Airplane's Volunteers. So it's a little bit weird wow. to see Woody Allen credits with rock music underneath it. Yeah, that's strange. And so, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if he was trying to do things different since this was a, a different format to a certain degree or whether, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much or if because it's set in the 60s, it certainly sets it up as a, a movie set in the 60s to, to do that. So I don't you know, who knows if he would have done that if it had just oh, been a regular film release, you know, see trying to set the scene through music, taking, yeah, taking a page so. from uh, Scorsese. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just and just just really, uh, you know, it's odd to see that 
to see Woody Allen credits with a rock song underneath him yeah. was immediately, immediately not shocking, but kind of jarring. I was like, oh, right. this is different. Was it, you know, um, and then, did it take place in New York, the story? Um, it does. Yeah, okay. although they the the Woody is in it and and Elaine May plays his wife and she seems old 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 but I mean he what? does too but um, she is <laughs> yeah I mean it was like oh Woody has a actress age appropriate playing his wife in this one wow um, that's shocking yeah yeah for, you for don't Woody. see that very often <laughs> for Woody yeah right and so. Um, so the so it starts with the Jefferson airplane, which is kind of weird, and then it mm-hmm. has a little bit of '60s doc- documentary footage of like protests and things, uh, and uh-huh. and then a, a narrator says something like, "This is all going on in the '60s. This and this and this is going on," and and mm-hmm. then here's you know the character's name, and then they cut to Woody, and then that's that's the only documentary footage they use throughout. It's almost like a weird reminiscent take of um take the money and run which you know had a narrator and it's just like it starts out really odd and you're like oh is this going to be something is woody going to do something really new here something different but then it just after that it just moves into pretty much the straight movie um so after that there's no documentary footage there's no i don't remember any Hmm. other rock music on the soundtrack um, a- after that, it becomes pretty much a straightforward Woody Allen movie it, just set in the 60s, which is also yeah. unusual for him to have a period piece, really. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, uh, you know, he doesn't do that all that often. Yeah. The last time he did that was maybe Love and Death, which is set during Yeah, maybe. The, <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably wrong. There's probably some other movies that were well, set, you set know, like in the tw- 1920s or something. Yeah, there's... Purple Rose of Cairo, which is set in kind of the early film days. Mm-hmm. Radio Days is set in the early in the days of radio. Right. But I, I mean, he's done period pieces, but I don't think he's done a 60s period piece because he was there in the 60s. Well, I mean, it just seemed like that's true. That's true. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting in, about it, too, is that for one thing, it's set in the 60s, kind of when his career began. And although yeah. he's playing an old man. In mm-hmm. the 60s, yeah. it certainly made you think about, oh, yeah, Woody Allen was there in the 60s when all these because it has a little bit of a revolutionary, yeah. you know, 60s radical storyline. Part of it is a 60s radical thing mm-hmm. with Miley Cyrus playing this radical uh, who who is friends with his wife and comes to to hide out with him. You know, and that's a big part of the story. So, of course, Woody Allen can fret and do his nebbish thing about a radical <laughs> hanging out at his house and stuff. <laughs> Stuff, you know of course but it's my yeah. but it's miley cyrus and she's good but she's not really great in this movie um yeah but it but it was you know it was like a 60s thing and when you're watching it you're like oh yeah woody was there in the 60s right and he was a comedian and he and he you know bananas i is a movie i've never actually been able to get all the way through but i think <laughs> it has kind of a 60s mm-hmm. radical theme to it if i'm not mistaken yeah pretty much all of his early work did yeah his his early comedies yes yeah so i mean it reminds you oh yeah woody was there in the 60s you know Mm -hmm. and um and and his i think his comedy was probably considered kind of radical in the 60s yes uh, in a way as well Mm -hmm. and then it has um it has kind of an absurdist feel to it which is, you know, he's kind of worked and played in that before, but I don't think, 
you know, I guess you could say like take the money and run is somewhat absurdist and oh, definitely. And, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this is like you know, set in the '60s, he's got a radical, uh, young radical girl who hi, who's uh, actually I think she's actually supposedly killed a prison guard. She's mm. she's trying to escape to Cuba. And and so then she gives his wife all of these radical things to read, like Chairman Mao's book and, right. and different books. And the wife has a Elaine May has a uh, a reading. What do you call it? A book club. And so she starts giving it. So there's all these. There's about <laughs> 10 or 12 old older women reading radical books. And then they start spouting Maoist. Oh, that's you know, funny. Theories okay. and, and right. yeah, I like it, that it, it, I, aspect. Okay, I, I certainly I I laughed out loud probably uh, six or seven times during it. It's and it's certainly not boring or, you know, um, it's uh, if you like Woody Allen, I think it's worth watching. Um, mm. but it was you know the the people who have have uh, said negative things about it. I, it's hard not to agree with them. It's you mm-hmm. know it's not really a. Uh, an episodic television show or a or a Netflix show or whatever you want to call those. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a glorified movie cut into six pieces, mm-hmm. and um, it's certainly you know there's certainly many other Woody Allen works that are way better, but it's it's not his worst by any means. Okay, well that's um, good. So I, I mean, don't know. You know, I mean he's he's getting up there in age, and so I mean it's yeah, good to, good to know that he can still produce something that's uh, you know at least uh, decent yeah i don't or, know or, or good ha- or passable as art yeah yeah i mean he's certainly uh, he's made you know he continues to make f- uh, at least a film a year and he's in his 90s now i believe is he? and he doesn't Damn. show i believe he is 90 um <sighs> he doesn't show any signs of slowing down he's certainly you know as an actor in this movie although it's funny because I think they they improvised some or or helped each other when one would forget a line, another one would kind of throw it in there. Oh, like, really? Remember when you said this? I mean, well, when you watch funny. it, you're like, especially him and Elaine May. It's like, are they helping each other remember their lines as they go? And because it has a very, you know, a lot of Woody Allen stuff is very structured. This seems very free flowing and and you know easy breezy okay interesting so, yeah okay woody allen's a- 81 oh i thought he was 90 already he's 81 okay well that's still well he looks uh, 90 uh, uh, he well he's gotten to look a little older but even at 81 to be creating work like this and and continually oh yeah um that's amazing i mean and so I know he has another film coming out sometime this year that he's working on. Of course, you don't know what his films are about until they get really close to releasing them. Yeah. Um, but that, I look. Yeah. I, well, that's what I like. I like. I don't really want to know. I'm. You know, if it's Woody Allen, I'm in. I'm going to watch it eventually. I've seen all but about five of his movies. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Just movies. I've. There's a couple movies of his that I haven't watched just because randomly i've just never watched them and a couple of them aren't that don't seem that <laughs> one is like curse of the jade scorpion maybe i have watched that yeah. one i can't even remember now but anyway i yeah, was I, I was uh i had wanted to check that out for a long time and i was like okay i know it's six episodes i know it's 20 minutes it's only a couple hours i can devote a couple hours to this it's going to take me a lot longer to devote the time that i need to to watch the other 
net, uh, Amazon Prime shows that I want to watch. I think right. those you're going to have to be in for 15, 16 hours. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. And just like the the amount of time that you're going to spend uh, rewatching Twin Peaks and everything like that. Yeah. Is, is, it's pretty small watching the new Woody Allen thing. Now, what is it called again? It's called Crisis in Six, Crisis in Six Scenes, I believe. Crisis in Six Scenes. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. On, on Amazon Prime. So, right. uh, a sort of mini series. Okay. sort of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Woody's already said he won't do that again. Um, he's basically, it's funny cause online they're like, Woody has said there will be no second season. Well, there, there could be no second season to this. It wraps up at the end. I guess they could uh, continue it, but it, it would be pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, and I've looked online and he has another movie coming out this year. So I think he's just going to return to filmmaking, but for him to, and he's put out a couple of movies in the last three or four years that have been really good. Magic in the moonlight is one. Um, and there are certainly a couple that are only so-so, but um, yeah. I've missed a lot of Woody Allen movies, at least the ones that he's put out in recent years, I've definitely missed. Um, There's definitely uh, Magic in the Moonlight is one that comes to mind as being one of his best movies um, of all time, let alone of the last four or five years. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, he has so many movies that it's well, it's hard to keep up with all of them exactly. and remember them all. Oh, oh there's a, one with um, mm-hmm. there's one with um, oh god, what is her name? She played Carol in the movie Carol. Oh, I can see your face, Kate Blanchett, and it uh-huh. is called Blue something, Blue Jasmine, Blue Jasmine. That is. Blue Jasmine. That would be the one that I would recommend as his best of the last few years. Oh, really? It's a really great movie. Yeah, really, uh, really nice Woody Allen movie. Okay, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> That's definitely one one worth seeing. Cool. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, man. I tell you what, this has been a great episode. Yeah, I didn't even get to talk about Riverdale. Have you? Did you watch the first episode of Riverdale yet? No, I haven't seen it. You probably it's I, good I, stuff, man. I know. I know. We talked about it uh, last episode, and you piqued my curiosity. Yeah. So, yeah, let me let me get at, at least an episode or two under my belt, and uh, we will talk about it at length. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, because it's cool. it's it's really an interesting show. Different. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know. Uh, well, according to your description last week, man, it sounds like something definitely worth watching. You it's know, definitely. I, I'm gonna Very give, Lynchian. Yeah, I'm going to give it a fair shot just based upon that description alone. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll mix it in upon uh, finishing up uh, watching the rest of uh, the original series of Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. That'll, it'd be interesting to watch them side by side because uh-huh. there's a, many reminiscence. Right, seeing the many, uh, influences. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Who, who's producing and or directing Riverdale? Or is it very... You know, I... I don't know. It's no one that, um, oh, it is someone. I'll have to look at it again now. I can't remember off the top of my head. It feels like the whoever kind of created it, I think, is someone whose name I recognize, but maybe not. Hmm. Um, okay. I, I think I read online. Um, it's also like I've read some things online where people are comparing it to Gossip Girl, which I have never watched. Um so I don't know what oh. kind of comparison that is. Yeah, that doesn't make I me want know. to watch it, but yeah. Hmm. 
Okay, well, I guess I'll just have to find out for myself. Yeah, I would love for you to watch an episode and just see what you think, because okay. um, yeah. it's yeah. different. It's different. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, right. yeah. Cool. In episode in episode two, you find out Mr. Weatherby is black. He's African-American. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know. So they're mixing it up, you know. Sure, good, good. I mean, uh <laughs> Mrs. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Grundy. Mrs. Grundy Mrs. is Grundy. like a thirty-something uh, lo- milf. Yeah, yeah, she's a, yeah. She looks even younger than that. Uh, so it's okay. not too when she's fucking Archie because she fucks Archie. It's right. It's not too. <laughs> it's not like oh, he's fucking a teacher who's mm-hmm. you know fifty. It, right. It, she she seems more age appropriate for him uh, <laughs> because okay. she's younger. Well. She's yeah. she's a Hollywood thirty. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh, I was thinking about it. You know, it's like uh, some of the stuff you read online is about how it's an inappropriate thing and it's statutory rape and all this stuff like they like to say. And um, it's just like he, they re- you know, she's his teacher. I get that. That's not appropriate. But yeah, it doesn't seem like if they were two random people having an affair, mm-hmm. he, their age difference doesn't seem that right. radical, you know. Well, and plus, she looks if, twenty-five. If he's and a, he looks twenty-three. Yeah, if he's a senior in high school, I mean, he's eighteen. So I mean, there's. However, there are laws on the books about teachers uh, having relationships with students. So, yeah. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, but yeah. this is a, a, a dark take on, you know, the Archie series. So, I mean, you're not going to have, you know, rainbows and sunshine here, you know. This right. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. We're not in Riverdale anymore, even though we're in Riverdale and it's called Riverdale. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's... it's um. It's alternate it's Riverdale. Yeah. And they certainly hint in the second episode that maybe, you know, Miss Grundy is using Archie somehow. Oh. Um, uh, so, you know, it's like because you, you, you'd like to believe that ah, she's just a teacher that, that fucks her students. <laughs> but no, oh. she's probably got she's probably got evil alternative alter alter. What's the word? Alter. Alterative? Uh, That's not the word. Ulterior motives? Ulterior motives. Yeah, thank you. She's okay. probably got some ulterior motives, but, you know, because she can't just be someone who puts out to a high school no. senior. You know, she hey. has to be evil and, and she has to die, of course, because maybe. she's a bad person. Maybe she ends up being the killer. Well, that's, you know... It, it's funny because I don't want to tell you too much about it, but okay. there's certainly things that hap- there's certainly things that happen that make you go, hmm. So okay, all right. Well, so yeah, no spoilers. I- I'd now. love for you to watch it. Okay, okay, that sounds great. Um, all right. So um, that being said, uh, do you want to wrap this puppy up? We need to do uh, that thing we do, oblique strategy. Absolutely. Yes, that was the uh, transitional um, phrase I was using to uh, start to maneuver us in that direction. So, here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me pull a oblique strategy card out. And here it is. Ooh. Do something sudden, destructive, and unpredictable. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. That, that could quite possibly be, be the best card in the deck. I think that is fantastic advice in the post-Trump days. Yes. Yes. Now, now do that, something. <laughs> do something sudden, destructive, and unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's, We're gonna have to all get radicalized, man. I I think it's uh, inevitable that we must become radicalized in our own ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. radicalized by the Constitution and the true intention of what America is supposed to be. Hey, I like that exactly. Because uh, thank you. Right now, right now we're on a collision course with uh, unconstitutionalness. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, in, in constitutionality uh, at, a, at a at a rapid and destructive rate. Oh but God. you know my philosophy. My philosophy is burn the shit house down and let's start over. But. Uh, right, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, hey, dude. Uh, also, just FYI, just uh, at the end here, uh-huh. you know, we're getting close to um, some shows coming back that we'll be discussing in future episodes. Walking Dead is about to come back. Right, Bates Motel is about to come back. Mm-hmm. So have you? Have you kept up with Bates Motel? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, that. Oh, fantastic! Uh, what awesome. A, what a great show. Um, I love that show. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, this next season is going to be the last season, and it's going and to be the most dark season. Yeah, I think it's going to be really awesome. Uh, so yeah. oh, definitely, definitely, uh, yeah. something we'll be having discussions about soon. Right. Absolutely. This past week, uh, this is us was not on. Because, right, because it got preempted by. Well, they just ran a re- they ran a rerun. <laughs> they did, but everything was like off by an hour because of the he who shall not be named making pronouncements on television. Oh, I didn't even know that because I just um, I was I think that's the night I watched uh, Crisis in Six Scenes, so I didn't even know that he preempted shit. Oh, okay, yeah. Something about the, I think it was the S- Supreme Court announcement of who he's going to yeah, nominate. Yeah, I, yeah, so, whatever. Yawn. <laughs> big yawn. Big yawn. yawn. It's just, <laughs> just a big, just another thing to help us burn the shit house down and start over. Hell yeah. Just wreck, wreck the Supreme Court because once you wreck the Supreme Court, you wreck the Constitution. Yeah. And we can start over. Yeah. Well. And then hopefully we can slide into a, a, a brighter new future eventually. <laughs> oh, One speaking day. of sliding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. Oh, you're, you're a genius, Mark Browner. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, shall I just say my lodger out and proud, and, and we'll see you soon. Uh, sure. Sure.